guys every single week to give you our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world today, what's happening in the news, how to get through the propaganda, how to see through all the 1984-esque insanity that's coming from just all the communists everywhere. And there are plenty. So live chat's up. We're up on Rumble. So anybody who wants to check in on the live chat, let us know that you're hearing us loud and clear to make sure everything's going great, wonderful, and awesome. It'd be much appreciated. And... Uh, of course, we'll be taking any sort of chat that comes in on air or anyone who wants to can go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio where you can join our discord channel uh, where we check in on a regular basis and have a lot of fun discussions, which is actually going to be interesting because getting a lot of good feedback this morning on some polls that came out. <clears throat> now, the first thing that I want to do uh, before I dive into polls is let's talk a little bit about why people don't trust polls. Because this is always uh, some of the pushback that uh, that you will see on social media when someone brings up a poll that's good, bad, or in between, or what have you, is I thought conservatives didn't believe polls. Meh. Well, the reality is, is that we know that polls are stilted, right? The liberal media uses polls as a psychological weapon. Right. So with that being said, what happens when a liberal organization puts out a poll that looks really bad for somebody like, say, Joe Biden. That seems to be very suggestive of something, I would like to think. And since they stilt their polls as much as they can, we have to start asking questions. And one of the things that I'm focusing on here is a poll that was just released by ABC and Washington Post, which shows Joe Biden 10 points behind Donald Trump in a head-to-head -head matchup for the presidential election among likely voters of Republican, Independent, and Democrat voters. What is someone to do with that kind of information? It's coming from the Washington Post. The They are as liberal as they come. They are as cravenly biased as possible. Yet these polls come out and what you see is, like, for example, some of the stuff that came out of the data of these polls. Among 18 to 35-year-olds, Trump has a slight 53 to 38 advantage, marginally significant at the sample size. Still, that essentially matches what it was in May. And Trump also was numerically ahead in this group, albeit not significantly, by 50 to 43 in February. Trump has gained seven points from May among men, now 61 to 34, result, uh, 61 to 34 result against Biden. That led by a 15-point gain for Trump among non-college-educated white men, a mainstay group for him, to 79% uh, support. One of the biggest things that's coming out of this is there are absolutely gains across the board for Trump to include among Hispanics and among blacks. So, sure. and a lot of this has to do with obviously Joe Biden's poor uh, approval ratings. But in addition, Alan, what do you think one of the top, one of the chief concerns of Democrat voters is, and voters in general, while looking over this kind of polling data? What do you think their chief concerns were? Well, probably a few concerns were 
what do we do? Is will our own base even support us? Oh no no Why no! I'm sorry. What happen? what do you think the, ch the chief policy concerns were for the voters? Oh. Mm -hmm. oh, I would guess. Well, the chief concerns kind of everybody: immigration, inflation, war in Ukraine, transsexual stuff in schools. <laughs> so. The big one of the biggest things, one of the biggest effects that's dragging Joe Biden down is the economy. Mm -hmm. That's one of the biggest things that's holding him down right now. And, and uh, Colleen came uh, running into the chat with economy and border. Now, the economy yeah. is obviously the big one. But what's amazing is just uh, yesterday, I believe, or maybe the day before, uh, Joe Biden had something to say about what he did. Uh, what he's done with the economy while talking about his reelection, about the fact that he is running for reelection and everything. And this is what he had to say. This is where this is where Joe Biden believes he is in reference to the economy. This nation was flat on its back. I knew what to do. I vaccinated the nation and rebuilt the economy. I knew what to do. I vaccinated the nation and rebuilt the economy. Yes. So the nation was flat on its back, everybody. Did you know that? It was the nation was flat on its back and he vaccinated the nation and rebuilt the economy. Now, what he's talking about in reality is COVID. You see, everything was terrible because of COVID. Didn't the Democrats, weren't they the primary source of wrecking the economy over COVID? Yes. <laughs> I think Trump wanted to not do all the shutdowns and then they were just like actually shutdowns are good so we have to do that for safety right right we have to keep kids out of school for you know way past when everybody else had you know basically already gone gotten over it and you know they're trying it again right yes yeah Hooray. like there's there's another push there there have been it's been primarily in places like Europe uh, but you can see it. I just recently did some travel and it's it's a very impressive situation when you look at it because I don't know about you. I'm not going to harass somebody because they're wearing a mask, but I'm going to judge them and I have every right to do so because there is zero objective evidence that that mask does anything for you. There have been not not only not only have there been we can talk about studies all we want. This study says they work. This study says they don't. There are obviously plenty of studies that say they don't. But what about just just the reality of what people see with their own two eyes? How the hell are there so many people who have been triple, quadruple, sextuple vaxxed? wear masks, you know, sanitize everything in, in their vicinity, but then they catch COVID and then they turn around and they say dumb shit like, well, thank God I'm vaccinated or else it would be worse. I just, it's the hardest thing for me to believe that those people don't know that they're lying. It certainly beggars belief that they continue to believe in this nonsense. And I can understand the emotional manipulation that occurs here where people people want to feel like they're doing something good. There's there's a lot of dopamine that gets involved when people want to feel like they're doing something good. 
And when there's a crisis and you feel like you can be a part of the solution. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the aspect of psychology that's being manipulated here is people's wish to be, number one, to be part of something big. Everybody wants to be part of something big. You know, think about like uh, when when you and I were like young kids, right? You know, we would always think about like these big epic, you know, either battles or or events in history, the Roman Empire, World War II, like any of these things evoked these ideas of, man, what would it be like if I was part of something big? And of course, the yeah. human condition is we only ever know about big things in the past. You may not even know that you're part of something big while it's happening. You know, unless it's you know, it's painfully obvious in front of you, right? Uh, right. But we always think about like being part of something huge, and and this is a normal dream. People want their lives to matter, and the media and the government manipulates that, and they manipulate that with. And it's the I think the part that disappoints me the most is this was lame. True. Their manipulation true. was the fucking flu. <laughs> Like, that was the best the government could come up with, with this, we need to emotionally manipulate people to give up their rights and make by making them feel like they're part of something bigger, and we'll do it with the sniffles. <laughs> so I'm already disappointed in the government on that aspect of just giving us the gayest thing to be excited about or what have you. But secondarily, it's just at this point... Just there's no reasonable person who's afraid of this. There's no reasonable person who gives a damn about this anymore. People are not going to inconvenience themselves. And I'm so, as frustrating as it is, I'm so happy that the left is so damn stupid and like so obsessed with smelling their own farts that they don't realize that this is already a losing bid. I'll let you opine on it a little bit, Alan, if you'd like. It's a losing bid, hopefully. Right. I am remain unconvinced that the cultural hold that progressivism has on the population can, or at least I'm always going to be skeptical that the cultural hold that progressivism has makes it very, very easy for people to forget all of these things and continue and refuse to actually push back when it matters because it'd be this is one of my concerns for the upcoming election if donald trump say is the candidate and the media does exactly what we think they're going to do exactly what they did the four years he was in office which starts screaming about racism and how only good moral happy nice people will you know oppose trump I've watched too many people in the in my life in around me and in the country happily fall prey to that when they should have known better and I'm at least a little bit suspicious that they're going to do the same regardless of the evidence to the contrary. It would so be It's not necessarily mm -hmm. doomsaying, but I'm just you're skeptical. The idea that everyone's just going to wake up and refute the and come to their senses is not as assured as I want it to be. There is a reason for the cynicism. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak for you for a second, but please do. I, <laughs> I think the cynicism is rooted in, I mean, like what we watched, right? COVID was a, was a really 
terrifying time in the sense of there was an entire there was the one half of us in this country that were going come on guys this is bullshit everybody knows this is bullshit like this isn't doing anything nothing's happening against a group of people that are like how does the cloth mask save you from a respiratory virus right how do you not see this (laughs) guys how are you vaccinated but still getting sick how are you boosted but still getting sick how how are you not like why are you not asking questions and so yeah like the 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 cynicism is real and it exists for a reason because we looked at what was happening and went, how the hell can you people still believe this shit? And it's, we'll, we'll get maybe a little bit deeper into this as we go on into the show. And it's because the reason why everything's so politicized now is it's my side versus the other side. It has nothing to do with any of the actual facts or data. It's the big bad MAGA Republicans uh, don't believe in the vaccine, so I super believe in the vaccine. In fact, being vaccinated, it's a cult. You hear this a lot. People talk about how the left is a cult. And the reason why they say things like that is getting vaccinated is not about protecting yourself from COVID. It's about being able to have a way to signal to people that you are a good liberal without having to say it. Wearing a mask is a way to signal to people that you're a good liberal, a Democrat, you probably are pro-choice, you probably support gun control, you're not one of those hayseed hick Americans, you know, that are just gross and and untoward. You're one of the smart ones. As Alan said uh, for years on the program, you're part of the nobility. That's what this is. It's nothing more yes. than cultish symbolism. It's a sacrament in the religion of progressivism. Very true. Now, back to talking about these polls. Why, why did the Washington Post and ABC release a poll that is so damaging to Joe Biden? Why would they do that? This leads me to an assumption. 10 points behind Donald Trump about a year out from the election doesn't look good. Now, the date today is the 24th of September. Coming up in about three weeks will be the deadline for any other Democrat candidate to throw their hat in the ring. Mm-hmm. I believe that ABC and the Washington Post are trying to encourage the Democrat Party to drop Joe Biden because now I shouldn't say this. It's a bad idea to do this, but I'm going to anyway. I believe that if Joe Biden is the nominee in 2024 there, it doesn't matter who the Republican is. They are going to win. So I think it's too obvious. I know there's a lot of infighting in the primary prom 
uh, that's going on, uh, primarily on the internet. There's not actually infighting going on in our country. It's just a bunch of dumb influencers going for clicks. So don't misunderstand me. I don't think that there's real infighting. Um, you know, if we were all sitting together having a beer, we would be laughing and cracking jokes and having a great time. And we could very possibly go into a booth and vote for different people during the primary. That's entirely possible. But uh, we have no animosity toward one another at all. This is it's all AstroTurf. Um, and I'm not even right. blaming the candidates for it. I'm blaming the dumb shit influencers who are trying to make themselves matter. Um, and I think it's disgusting, just so people know. Uh, I've been relatively off. not. I've been somewhat off of social media because I know this to be true, that a lot of this is driven by bad people who don't actually give a damn about the candidates or this country. They just give a shit about their own clout. And it angers me to an unreasonable point. So I've been avoiding social media because I hate these people um, because they're, they're trying to tear us apart for their own gain. Um, right. And you're, you're talking mostly about the Donald Trump versus DeSantis yeah. versus this Sorry. rivalry that's all going on when yeah, the, uh, I the, honestly feel like the vast majority of Trump supporters would look at both Trump and DeSantis go, well, I kind of like both these guys. Yep. So the assertion that there's some rabid hatred of DeSantis among Trump supporters or vice versa I'm very skeptical of. Yeah, which uh, for, for those of you uh, who might be tuning in now, we uh, Al Alan referred to this consistently as primary prom. Um, yeah. Because it's like, it's like girl drama with prom. And that is the most apt way to ever put it. <clears throat> but the reason why I say... Um, you know, one of one of the big driving things that you'll hear from like the DeSantis camp or the influencers, I'll say, not the camp. It's not his campaign, but it is one of the viable pushes that they give, which is uh, Donald Trump has already lost to Joe Biden. And that's a very true statement in a sense. I mean, it's not entirely true because uh, I don't know about you, but everybody else that's voted Republican is very suspicious of the election. And I'm not going to just stop being suspicious of the election because somebody else, you know, because I want someone else to win a primary that I think is completely retarded. But right. aside from that point, um, if you want to take that at face value, four years of Joe Biden is a very different Joe Biden. People have seen how Joe Biden will govern the country. There is an example in front of their face. It's no longer um, it, it, it's it's no longer uh, subjective. We know what governance under Joe Biden looks like. That is a completely different battle space. And if you are a not Donald Trump campaign, you are only hurting yourself by not acknowledging that very fact that the four years of Joe Biden absolutely matters in the minds of voters. And the reason why I say that is instead of just dismissing something outright as, well, Trump already lost to Joe Biden. No, he lost to Joe Biden in 2020 in that, in that scenario. He didn't lose to Joe Biden in 2024 after four years of people watching their money slip away. What, think, think about this too. I know I'm kind of all over the place, but it all makes sense. Imagine being just your average normie Democrat. You have had to talk about the potential of nuclear war. That is something, right. and, and it's not not even in the 
logical sense. Like, of course, there's always that threat, right? There's there is a lot of animosity between well, two different, almost three now, um, nuclear armed countries that uh, that the Biden White House is causing animosity toward, and the problem that you're running into when it comes to like Ukraine and Russia and everything else is they're not they don't seem to be doing anything to really mitigate the potential of that nuclear threat. In fact, they use the that nuclear threat as a way to try to bully people into supporting the war in Ukraine. Remember, every single time, it's been what three or four times now, Alan, that we've heard that there's some potential of a nuclear um nuclear power plant going critical because Russia's near it and oh, they might do something. Yeah, there's been numerous. There's been yeah, yeah, numerous times that they've claimed that somehow, like, oh, Russia's by uh, uh, Chernobyl, they're going to cause it to go over. Then there was some other nuclear power plant. I believe there was like a third one, and we've just heard this scare of like the potential of some sort of nuclear cataclysm in Ukraine. It has not come to fruition. It it didn't happen. None of it actually happened. In fact, I thought that there was one that they like were like swearing to us was like going critical and nothing could be done and what have you. And then it just sort of disappeared. Uh, but then yeah, there's also it keeps happening. It's just, it's the same sort of thing is, is as the ghost of Kiev and the Russians are, <laughs> the Russians are just murdering civilians and, Oh gosh, it's all, it's, it's all just propaganda to try and make people support the war in Ukraine because the basis of it is, simply a money grab and there's not actually a good reason for us to be involved right but imagine being a normie democrat and having to think about that like you you know if you're a normie democrat you probably support the whole ukraine thing and you're you know you're working for democracy or you're supporting democracy and freedom which i'm fairly certain are the names of two yachts that zelensky plans (laughs) on giving biden for all the money because I don't know what the democracy and freedom they're actually fighting for truly is, because it certainly doesn't exist in Ukraine. Um, so I'm, I have to assume that those are yachts. That's the name of two yachts that are sitting out in like the Black yeah. Sea or something. Um, but imagine you believe that. Well, four years ago, five years ago, you weren't actually worried about whether or not a nuclear weapon could be set off in the world and killing... Yeah a bunch of people you weren't what is mm-hmm. yeah, i would say what has been actually a serious like so all this discussion of power plants you know people talk well there are nuclear power plants in ukraine and a war around a nuclear power plant yeah inevitably raises the risk of some sort of incident what i think is much more concerning are things like the ukrainian with direction and help from the united states attacking Russian nuclear bomber bases, and recently the headquarters of the Black Sea Fleet was hit with a, uh, the Russian Black Sea Fleet was hit with a, I believe it was a British-supplied Storm Shadow missile. Well, Russia has responded to those things saying, if you attack our bomber fleets and things like their nuclear subs, they take that, they justifiably take that as that is the West trying to degrade our nuclear retaliatory capabilities, which is pretext for war and has been pretext for nuclear war the entire Cold War and up to now. Mm-hmm. If you were a, if 
a foreign country is trying to degrade your ability to respond to a nuclear attack, that can only be construed as a precursor to a nuclear attack because they're trying to essentially reduce the, um, con the that concept of mutually assured destruction. Right. That was the whole p the policy during the Cold War was if either side attacks the infrastructure that ensures mutually assured destruction, that is considered going should be considered a precursor to nuclear war, and that's what has been happening in Ukraine. The United States, there's no way that Russia, that anyone could make the case that attacks on Russian nuclear defense infrastructure are not completely directly and directed by the United States. Maybe they're not, and it doesn't really matter at this point, because Russia looks at it and says the amount of tactical and strategic support the United States has given to Ukraine makes any action by Ukraine a extension of action by the United States. And Russia has, I think, been uh, restrained in its responses, probably because it doesn't want to push. It knows the United States is completely unhinged mm -hmm. and crazy and operating absolutely outside the bounds of reality. And it, Putin probably looks at it and goes, I would, honestly, I could retaliate and I would have every right and reason to do so. But these people might seriously push us to nuclear war because they are have proven time and time again that they're just crazy, that they're crazy enough to do it. And I don't like that. I think that I would much rather live in a country that's sane and capable of long-term strategic thinking rather than just reflexive current thingism. And talking with various people, one of the main reasons I keep hearing, the reason for why we're in Ukraine keeps shifting. It's for democracy. It's to do this. It's to stop Russian expansion. The newest one is, well, it's actually good that we're there. And sure, Ukraine's taking all these casualties. But what's good about it, well, the reason it's a strategically wonderful and important thing for the United States to be involved in, is because what we're really doing is we're burning through. We're, we're contriving a situation that will destroy all of the Soviet stockpiles of Russian equipment. And they don't have the money to buy more at the end of the day. And so in like, you know, five years, we're going to be in a a much better position on the world stage because Russia's military will be so degraded that we'll have destroyed all this irreplaceable equipment of theirs and question mark, question mark, question mark, profit. <laughs> and what is, first off, the fact that the justification keeps changing already makes me suspicious. But secondarily, if that's even the answer, the question is, well, why was any of this even necessary in the first place? Now, what a lot of Ukrainian supporters will say, say is, oh, well, we, we had to push Russia into we had to push Russia into a proxy war with Ukraine and we have to supply the Ukrainians and we have to do all this. And we have to destroy all of this Russian equipment on the battlefield and we have to kill all of these young Russian men because Russia might in, because now Russia couldn't invade Western Europe. It's like, but the Soviet Union's over. It hasn't ha that 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 is no longer. I don't think anybody in say twenty up to twenty nineteen seriously looked at Russia and said this. Well, let's just take their their evidence. This country with the GDP of Texas, with an obsolete military that can't do X, Y, and Z. Blah blah blah. Russia sucks. Russia sucks. They constantly tell me how much Russia sucks. But Russia's such a huge threat on the world stage. It requires us to bankrupt our economies 
degrade our own military, ship every single artillery shell and stinger and javelin in our own inventories over there, all of which are replaceable because we don't really have the factories to build any of this in any sort of time frame. And it's this incoherence of message which makes me extremely suspicious of what the actual reason why all of this is happening in Ukraine, why we're so involved. Because it doesn't make any sense. Russia clearly wasn't... If Russia can't conquer Ukraine, why were we ever considering that Russia... It's, we have to just do all this because we have to destroy all these stockpiles of Russian equipment. Why? Because Russia might have the combat power to invade all of Western Europe and charging the Red Army through the Fulda Gap. Like, that's like, but they can't, they, they can't just conquer Ukraine in a weekend... So what makes us think that they could have, even before this war, conquered Western Europe? So it's the, either our intelligence estimates were so wildly off that everyone in the intelligence community in the Russian evaluation you know, sectors should be fired and barred from employment in the intelligence community from here on out because they got it so wrong that Russia can't conquer Ukraine so it was never a threat to Western Europe and none of this was necessary or this is, a, or that was just an excuse, and this is all for some other goal than what is being officially stated, which is what I think it is. I think there's a lot of money to be made. I think it is flexing U.S. power on the world stage. I think it is, I think it is forcing Europe to essentially become a vassal of the United States because we see a looming confrontation with China, and this is a, and because we can't reverse policy on all the things that pushed us into a position of weakness, we ha- now are scrabbling for straws to hold on to some level of power and control because we see on the in the future a ascendant china and instead of actually doing what needs to be necessary to confront to confront china and maintain being a superpower it's a bunch of infants trying to scrabble up as many blocks as they can before uh so that they have someone on their side when china inevitably rises ascendant Europe will not be able to separate itself from the United States because they will no longer have the industry or military might to do so. And it basically, instead of actually being a superpower, it forces countries to be essentially subservient to the global global American empire rather than willing participants. Well, and it's this is all prescient because uh, Zelensky is now out doing once again another um, uh, media tour to try to beg for more money from the West, which uh, basically seems to happen quarterly at this point. Um, It's about the only time that you ever see uh, Zelensky dressed up in his uh, GI Joe uh, Halloween costume uh, wandering around. He, he came Mm -hmm. to, he came to the white house where uh, you know, for, for those of you who don't remember uh, there's a, uh, there's currently a budget crisis going on where, you know, Joe Biden has such a piss poor budget that he has offered that Republicans don't want to sign on to that. You know, we have a looming potential of a government shutdown. Now, Great. you know, you can debate whether or not you think the government should shut down or shouldn't. I personally think that if the government can shut us down for two years and lock us down, I don't know why it's such a big deal if we fucking do the same thing to them. But, you know. That's my opinion on it. Uh, I, I don't see where the bad part happens. And by the way, I'll remind you that a, quote, government shutdown in reality is actually only something like 17% of the government. It's not the full government ever. 
But it doesn't matter. Point is, is that, you know, there's a strong potential that Republicans will actually grow a spine this year. Uh, I won't hold my breath, but I'll cross my fingers. Uh, that the Republicans might actually push back and force Biden to concede and uh, force a government shutdown until Biden agrees to their budget and then turn around and do the good media savvy thing that Democrats do every time and say, this could have been solved however long ago if Biden would have just stopped being a political hack and a piece of shit and we could have kept the government funded. Point is, uh, Joe Biden made sure that Ukraine was exempted. I want you all to think about that. There are about to be a lot of discussions about the potential of a government shutdown and the programs that won't be funded and the people who won't get money. They'll talk about things like, you know, U.S. soldiers not getting their paychecks on time, uh, which, well, we'll get into that. You know, grandma's not going to get her Social Security. People aren't going to get their medicine. You know, services aren't going to be fulfilled. The president of the United States made sure Ukraine would get paid before all of those people. The president of the United States made sure, gave a special dispensation so Ukraine would get paid. I want you to remember that during the Obama administration, Alan, you were in the army. I was in the army. There were troops Mm downrange. They didn't get paid. There was a time that soldiers did not get paid. Soldiers that were in Iraq, soldiers that were in Afghanistan did not receive paychecks. They did not receive paychecks because we, we were being used as pawns during the election. We were being used as pawns during, uh, uh, during the midterms at that time, uh, to try to force things. And so we went without pay. And there were all these sob stories about this person or that person who, like, you know, couldn't pay for their home anymore. And, you know, they're in the Navy or they're in the Air Force or they're what, you know, what the hell ever. Right. Yeah. Well, now we know that they could have solved that. They could have done this same. They could have done the same thing that they did for Ukraine, but it just wasn't important enough, apparently. Right. And I think it's important to remember when we when we. When you talk about Biden, what you mean is the Democrat Party. Yes. Biden himself doesn't know, can't probably even barely tie his shoes and certainly can't even, uh, is probably in less continent than we want to believe. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. But, I mean, he I'm, he can probably barely put his own diaper on. Yeah. And so it's really, there are, there are teams of strategists of people behind him. There is someone that, some person or cabal of people behind Joe Biden and the Democrat Party, and the two are one and the same. There is no Biden administration. There is simply the Democrat Party, and it controls the senators, and it controls Biden, and they are, to my mind, unified of purpose, alongside numerous other kind of groups like the World Economic Forum, BlackRock, and this sort of global progressive push, As to, and they are simply the figureheads of it. And to them, Ukraine is so super-duper important that it has to continue to be funded. I bet countries in Europe are facing all sorts of problems. Germany is facing an economic downturn. So is a number of countries in Europe because they no longer have a supply of natural gas to run, say, power plants and other things. And I bet all those countries will happily continue funding the war in Ukraine, even as their own people freeze to death this winter. Yeah. 
Yeah, the scoop that's coming out here is that the DOD, the Pentagon has exempted Ukraine operations from potential government shutdown. So just remember that. Just when, whenever whenever you hear anything, any of the sob stories that the left is going to come out and blame Republicans and sure. say it's all their fault, just remember they made sure, they made absolutely sure that they were going to fund Ukraine. So now you know their priorities, right. and it's not you. You're and, not the priority. Right. And I can make an understand it. It's, it's like this is these are active combat operations, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I think it is it, it's if I was the Republicans, I would absolutely make a I would absolutely discuss this. I would make a mountain out of it. Yeah. No, they're they're in a really great position. Now <clears throat> Part of uh, Zelensky's media tour uh, included <laughs> a really funny situation where he goes in front of the the, uh, the Canadian Parliament hosts, or, or sorry, uh, host Zelensky. Um, I don't know what I actually said, but anyway, uh, they they hosted Zelensky in his media tour for uh, begging for money, and uh, part of that was uh, they celebrated a. A Canadian-Ukrainian citizen who fought valiantly for the freedom of Ukraine against the Russians in World War II. That sounds like a really, it's a really great story, right? He fought against the repressive Soviets during World War II. Hold Alan, on, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> in World War II, weren't the Soviets our allies? The Soviets were our allies in World War II. Uh, it's well, interesting that you bring that up. No, wait. If he's fighting against the Soviets, and the Soviets are our allies, who was he fighting for then? Yeah, who was he fighting for? That's an interesting because you know Ukraine wasn't exactly fielding its own army. True. So was there was there perhaps another army? active inside the Soviet Union fighting the Soviet government that he maybe joined up with? And what, what army was could that possibly have been? Well, that would have been the German army, also known as the Nazis. Oh. oh, oh, okay. And was he just like, you know, part of the German army or like maybe part of the extra special part of the German army? Yeah, he was, in fact, part of the extra special. He was part of the SS, oh, what was the name of the unit? Galicia. Galicia. Yeah, so there's an, there's an area of, I believe it is eastern Ukraine, or western Ukraine, that's uh, Galicia. Um, as just, that's what the region's called. And they had the SS division Galicia, where the Nazis, after, as they marched through Ukraine found a huge number of Ukrainians that hated the Soviet Union, very rightfully enough, and created an entire SS division of Ukrainian volunteers to fight the Soviet Union. And this man was part of that. That's actually, this is why you see so much Nazi iconography utilized by nationalist Ukrainians, is because it harkens back to their to grandpa's struggle against the Soviet Union when Grandpa joined up with the Nazis to fight the Soviets. Right. Now, the problem with this is also that the SS Galicia division is implicated in a whole bunch of war crimes. Yeah. Like, 
when the Nazis basically said, we're going to use the SS to round up the Jews, um, the SS Galizia division was happy to oblige. Now, again, like part of this was because the secret, the Jewish secret police was about 60% ethnic Jews, and I, they really had a bone to pick with them, especially after the Hall of tomorrow, which was engineered by the Moscow Central Committee. Um, but at the same time, it's pretty weird that no one in the Canadian Parliament recognizes that, yeah, maybe uh, the, this guy were honoring in the Canadian Parliament volunteered to fight with the Nazis, that seems like it's a pretty weird move for a country that, and government that talks about how the biggest threat is white nationalism. It's very interesting because it, it, it puts us in a very fun position because, like, I mean, we happen to just understand history. We know that that was a part of history. And, like, of course it was. Like, yeah. you know, you can't – all of this time that people want to – I mean, you you see it on, on the right a lot where people want to – you know, they talk about the threat of communism and all this other nonsense – or not nonsense. Yeah. It is – you know, it's true, but they talk about the threat of communism. They talk about how awful communism was. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but they – like – they were on our side. Like they were allies of ours in world war two. And that's something that everyone wants to mm -hmm. avoid. Oh, communism's evil. Right. And it's like, yeah, well we helped sponsor it in world war two. And they're like, well, no, it was like the, the Nazis were just so much worse. And it's like, right. I mean, that becomes, that's a whole debate that probably will go on time in memoriam. Actually, it won't people just start to forget about it and no one will care anymore, uh, which I think mm -hmm. is perfectly fine. But at the same time, right. how insane is this? First of all, not only not only is Zelensky Jewish, his grandfather mm -hmm. was in the Soviet army. He was like a Soviet war hero. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by that on in its own right. I wonder... I'm making this up totally out of my own, you know, background, but I wonder was there somebody was there some hilarious right winger in the Canadian Parliament that slipped this in as a joke? Uh that's almost seems too good to be true. Because honestly, it doesn't make any sense. Unless unless it was like it just shows how craven these people are. You're going like, if you truly like, maybe it's a, uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? It's like a humiliation exercise. You're going to show us how much you love Ukraine by giving a standing mm -hmm. ovation to a Nazi. Like, I think uh, as, as funny as that is, <laughs> I think the actual answer is, the regime had the global leftist regime doesn't care about consistency. Yeah. It only cares about the current thing. Right. Right. And right, I think right. nobody it's, it's the same reason why they feel no, no issues supporting the Azov battalion, right sector, any of these other Ukrainian militias that have all this Nazi iconography. The same reason they don't care about that is because it's not important to them. It's like, it's, 
They are means to an end, and that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> and, I, and I can see the same here. Is They just go, well, yeah, sure, the guy might have fought for the Nazis. We can currently use him to promote our war in Ukraine. And it just goes to show, they don't actually care about Nazism. They don't care about any of these things. What they care about is solidifying their own power and everything that they say they care about honestly is just nonsense meant to confuse and dis- and distract people yeah yeah and that's i mean that is obvious the the most likely situation that that's going on there but still kind of hilarious uh <laughs> that it ha- it's still hilarious that it happened um there's also uh, so there's there's other things in the news, and we're we're going to get into the, how Biden is standing up an office of disarmament in uh, in a second, um, as well as some of the stuff that came out from investigations this week uh, when it comes to Merrick Garland. But one thing that I do want to cover is there's been a lot of discussion of what's going on with Russell Brand. Now Russell Brand is just a comedian and an actor, and I've never seen him as being right wing. Uh, I I know. Look, I, I'm not being. Uh, I'm not trying to be shitty to anybody. I understand that it's very exciting. It's it's far more exciting when a shitlib seems to agree with us on something. But I've never been excited to turn those people into celebrities. And I'm not suggesting that Russell Brand might be some sort of op or anything like that, or you know what have you. It's just just so people understand how I look at situations like this like when russell brand started talking about the vaccine and then he started being against the war in ukraine these things actually are not inconsistent with like other liberals you know for example rfk jr rfk jr believes in all the like green energy global warming bullshit he absolutely buys into that he absolutely buys into a lot of other things he's made a lot of statements about gun control and things like that because all he is is he's just a Democrat that never realized that like 2003 was over. Because right. being against big pharma, being against giant banks, being against the war machine were normal things in 2003 and 2010 and all of that when you were a Democrat. Um, mm-hmm. They just never changed. Now, that doesn't that's not anything necessarily against Russell Brand. It's just he's not right wing. He just has the same opinion that he's had for 20 years. And he just remained consistent where everyone else just became NPCs who went along with the current thing. The reason why uh, the I'm framing same can it, be said, mm-hmm. uh, the same can be said for Joe Rogan. I think yeah. it's another, that's a similar example of someone that is now regarded as this right wing figure. Ooh, when I think the reality is it's someone that really just was kind of is just paying attention going, yeah, but all this stuff seems really dumb and weird. <laughs> and clearly is like lot like just notices all the lies and hypocrisy and isn't a cow and isn't a coward about it. Right. And the reason why I'm why I'm framing it this way isn't necessarily to insult Russell Brand or insult anybody who likes what he has to say. It's more to point out that um someone like Russell Brand really isn't a threat to liberalism or progressivism. He he really isn't. I, I would actually disagree. I would very much disagree. I well, think he absolutely is a threat because because he is courageous enough to step to acknowledge the clear ridiculousness of the current leftist worldview. Right. 
I think that that is, that makes him a threat. I mean, how many of, you could take all these liberals, like all these Democrat voting Americans, and if people simply had the courage to go, yeah, I think this current stuff is wrong, and I'm not going to make excuses for it, and I, I don't care what the government says, we'd be in a very different situation. The thing is, most liberals, most Democrat voting Americans actually look at this and go, well, I want to be like they're I'm too afraid. I'm too much of a coward to risk being seen as a as a bad person that I'm just going to repeat whatever the regime tells me to say. I'm going to I'm going to agree with the regime because they told me if I don't agree with them, I'm an evil racist Trump supporter. And people like Russell Brand went, well, I might not be a Trump supporter, but that doesn't mean I can't disagree with this stuff that clearly is wrong. Right. Yeah, and, and 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 by not a threat, what I mean is, you know, he it's likely I don't I don't know all of his politics. I have not ever really listened to his podcast or any of that stuff, but he could be 95% in line with the rest of the Democrat party. But that 5% because they are a cult is such a bad heresy that they have to destroy this man. And let me explain. <clears throat> Many of you probably already know that there have been, as far as I know, they're still anonymous, but maybe they're not quite. But there were anonymous accusations of sexual assault against Russell Brand. And then suddenly this has resulted in the UK Parliament, a government, going to places like YouTube and TikTok and uh yeah youtube and tiktok as well as uh x and rumble and requesting demanding in a sense because it's a government that russell brand be demonetized now understand they're demanding that he be demonetized over accusations of sexual assault from an anonymous source so someone who's not even named claiming that he sexually assaulted her. And that's enough for the UK, UK government to try to take away his livelihood. Because this is how Russell Brand is making his money right now. It is how he's feeding his family or whatever. And ostensibly, they are trying to completely destroy his ability to generate an income and to have a platform with which he can speak over accusations but here's the thing it's not over accusations it's i know and i understand people wanting to talk about it they want to talk about due process they want to talk about all these other things it has nothing to do with the sexual assault it seems pretty evident that journalists went out and were looking for any dirt that they could find on russell brand and they found somebody who yeah. was willing to say russell brand sexually assaulted them and then the media ran with that as the predicate that was then picked up by the UK government and their willing tech sycophants to then try to destroy him. And why do they want to destroy Russell Brand? Because Russell Brand is a liberal. He agrees with, like, the majority of Democrats will agree with him on almost everything. Except for, he talks about how the vaccine is bad, and he talks about how the Ukraine war is ridiculous and bad. Those are the two sacraments of the current cult 
And so he needs to be destroyed. Nobody in the UK parliament, in the media, in anything that has anything to do with this liberalism, they don't give a shit that he sexually assaulted somebody. It is the excuse that they are using because they need him destroyed. And that is, it's insane enough that they want to just destroy him anyway outright. It's even more crazy that a government is doing it and the left is like, this is fine. Well, and the, and the question is, who is the they in this scenario? And like a lot of the left, it's a distributed network. It pro- might not even be the entirety of the UK government, but it might just be one or two people, some you know, like HR cat lady that goes, I don't like that this <laughs> Russell Brand guy is basically splitting from the program. I want to see, I'm going to make a phone call and see if I can get him demonetized. Right. And I think that's, a, that's all it was. That it doesn't need to be any more, um, doesn't need to be anything other than that. Yeah, and, and, well, and it's the the brazen way that it and it was. It was it was a minister of parliament, and she does look like an HR cat lady, which is even more fun. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a minister of parliament in the UK parliament that sent this letter out. And by the way, for those who are paying attention. So Rumble pushed back and said that they're absolutely not going to do it. It's none of their business. And they go fuck themselves, basically. Um, but what makes it even even more crazy is uh, YouTube complied. Very obviously, YouTube complied. Yeah. Uh, so YouTube went along with it just because a minister of parliament said, oh, you should demonetize this guy. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. We should. Okay, yeah, we're going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it gets even crazier because... Um, now because rumble, uh, the CEO of rumble came out and said, yeah, this is ridiculous. First of all, this is over accusation. Second of all, a government trying to force silencing on somebody is absolutely abhorrent. Um, well, it gets interesting because a bunch of companies decided that they're going to pull their advertising from rumble. So now they're trying to destroy rumble itself as a brand. And, uh, this comes from the gateway pundit, a radical leftist group has taken credit after Burger King, ASOS, and HelloFresh pull ads from Rumble over Russell Brand videos. A number of large companies reportedly pulled their ads from Rumble late last week. This was after the free speech platform refused to take down Russell Brand videos. Comedian Russell Brand was accused of rape, sexual abuse, and emotional abuse from 2006 to 2013, according to The Times. The abuse occurred over a decade ago and was brought to light for some reason. Brand has not been charged with any crimes or found guilty of any crimes, but the left hates him because he was red-pilled and is in effect and is effective in destroying their crazy narratives, so they want him silenced without a criminal trial. The far left the far left the news movement reported on the large companies pulling their ads off of Rumble. On sa- on Saturday, far left radicals Nandini Jammy and her business partner Claire Atkin took credit for the attack on Rumble's advertisers. Jammy is a co-founder of Sleeping Giants. She was with the company until she was fired a few years back. She makes a living by attacking any companies that advertise on conservative platforms. The Guardian reports. Well, she sounds lovely. A number of large companies have pulled their advertisements from the video platform Rumble, where Russell Brand broadcasts his weekly show. 
in the weeks since allegations of rape and sexual assault against the comedian came to light. The news movement reported on Friday that Burger King, ASOS, the Barbican, and HelloFresh, the recipe delivery box service, had removed their ads. Brand has 1.4 million followers on the platform. YouTube suspended Brand's ability to earn money on its platform on Tuesday, but Rumble had rejected calls to do the same. On Friday, Brand said the moves to block him to block him from receiving advertising revenue for his videos on social media platforms have occurred in the context of the online safety bill. On Thursday, Rumble mm. accused the par- a parliamentary committee of deeply inappropriate behavior after Carolyn uh, Dinanage, a cons- uh, the conservative chair of the Culture, Media, and Sport Committee, wrote a letter to the company's chief executive, Chris Pavlovsky, to express concern that brand may may be able to profit from content on the platform. In a public statement posted on X, Rumble called their letter disturbing and said the parliament's demands were deeply inappropriate and dangerous. The platform added that it was devoted to an, an internet where no one arbitrarily dictates which ideas can or cannot be heard or which citizens may or may not be entitled to a platform. Rumble added, signaling, sig- singling out an individual or demanding his ban is even more disturbing given the absence of any connection between al- between the allegations and his content on Rumble. I know what this is. Mm-hmm. Go so on. the UK recently passed this big online safety bill, mm-hmm. and this is a test. Hmm. This is a test of their online safety bill to see if they can, how effective it's going to be about against squashing dissent. Right. Because they need that. They absolutely have to be able to silence dissidents. And by the way, so Definitely. this 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 dovetails into our into our next topic um, for the for the top of the hour here. Mm-hmm. They really need to be able to control information and they need to control the information flow it's one of the reasons why they hate elon musk so much regardless of how you all feel about what's going on on x it's not it's not benefiting the left as much as they would like it to be there might be disagreements about how it's operating and some of the people that are involved now but it is still very much a threat to the left especially the community notes which i've talked about a lot if you go onto the Mm -hmm. platform and look and look at it it they need to have total and unilateral control of the information sphere, uh, lest there be any any ability or credibility being able to be lent to a dissenting voice. This is particularly interesting in the current situation where there's an invasion at our southern border. Now, I know a lot of content creators and conservative talking heads have talked a lot about what's going on at the southern border being, you know, being an invasion and the numbers that are coming in, but there's more to it. There's something that everybody seems to be missing except for Alan and I. But first, let me let me go over what we're actually talking about when we look at what was released. In fact, this was released late on a, uh, on a Friday afternoon, which is when bad news gets dropped by the regime. Uh, so no one will read it. But there were 2,388,350 illegal immigrants that crossed the border so far this fiscal year. And the fiscal year for the government runs from October to October. Uh, surpassing last year's record-breaking numbers. The CPB 
CBP, sorry, <laughs> Customs and Border Patrol, waited until Friday afternoon to drop the updated numbers for uh, for the regime-sponsored invasion. 7.6 million illegal aliens since Biden took office. 249 were confirmed to be terrorists. 18,359 confirmed communist Chinese nationals since January. Border Patrol agents say the crisis is showing no signs of slowing down. So, for your information, mm -hmm. that 7 million number mm -hmm. is about the population of the entire state of Tennessee. Yeah, the entire state of Tennessee. Just yeah, the entire state of Tennessee. We've added an entire state of Tennessee's worth of people, all illegals. Uh, that number for, there's something like 2.7 million illegals have entered in uh, 2022. Two, that's an entire state of New Mexico's worth of people. Just added to the country, just here now, illegally. Yeah. That's like, what do you even do about that? That's a that's shocking. Well, and the Biden administration is doing nothing about it. In fact, <clears throat> any attempt that is made to stop it, the Biden administration is against. There were buoys that were put out on the Rio Grande by the state of Texas to try to limit the crossing of the river there and immediately... <clears throat> the Biden administration sued the state of Texas using an arbitrary maritime law from the 1800s. That's how intent they think right. about it. Nobody knew that law off the top of their fucking head. They had to go look. They had to go try to find something. That is how much they support this. They had to dig right. through old law to try to find something that they could use to try to make it to where Texas could not defend its own border. Right. And on top of that, now some of some of these Republican governors like Greg Abbott and like Ron DeSantis are being extremely smart. They're loading these people up on a bus and they're saying, hey, there are cities and there are states that have declared themselves to be sanctuaries. So we are going to send you there. And this is causing a massive upheaval in liberal places where they never had to suffer the consequences of their virtue signaling bullshit. They would stick out their little signs that say, hey, have no home here. But now they're sticking out signs that say uh, property is monitored by uh, closed circuit television. And the reason yeah. why is it was very easy to say hate has no home here because it was never going to be your problem. You wanted these people exactly. to flood in to Republican districts. You loved that they were hitting Texas because you hate Texas. You love that they were hitting uh, Arizona because you hate Arizona. You love that they were hitting all of these red areas. But the minute they showed up at Martha's Vineyard, man, did those Democrats work fast to get them the fuck out of town, didn't they? That's very true. I and mean, now, to their credit, mm -hmm. it would be great if the citizens of Texas could do the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit more difficult for the citizens of Texas because there's a federalized border. Right. But now New Yorkers are pushing back hard because there's a bunch of immigrants just running amok, taking like taking up an insane amount of resources, but also just being shoved into already strained infrastructure. And that's New York. 
the largest city in the United States is having trouble handling it. But Eagle Pass, Texas is going to just, they should just suffer? I don't think so. Yes. And it's insane for people to suggest it. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is I think that this is all planned. I think that the, I think that there is a hand and it's not a national hand. I think it's an international hand because why is, why is there this sudden weird, crazy influx of immigrants flooding across the border? There doesn't seem to be any real reason that we can point to aside from, you know, the claim of their economic refugees, their climate refugees, which is horseshit. And everyone knows that, but there also seems to be a problem in Italy. There's been 10, yes. over 10,000 migrants that have just suddenly shown up in Lampedusa, Italy, which is a little tiny island. Yeah, it's a little island with a population of about three or 4,000. And, and in the past week, 10,000 African, Africans just crashed their little boats onto the shore and are now just running around this small, idyllic Italian island. Yeah. And that is a, like, what? that's chaos. There's no way to handle that. If you're the island, you, you would need, I mean, you would need the Italian military to step in just to provide the manpower to deal with that, let alone pushing anybody back. It's like, what happens if you try to remove those people and they decide to get violent? What happens if food runs out on that island? I guarantee you those 10,000 Africans are going to go into the homes of the Italian residents looking for food, and that's going to cause a problem. Now, And what's mm -hmm. crazy is Italy, I thought, elected this fascist Maloney who's campaigned the entire time to stop immigration into Italy. Right. Well, this year, over 126,000 migrants have been admitted into Italy. It's almost double the figure for the same date in 2022. So Maloney seems to, while she is supposedly this fascist right-wing figure, seems like that was entirely a lie. And And she was just saying that so she could get elected, so she could continue the globalist work of funneling Africans into Europe. Now, there is one way that this becomes problematic. And I don't know I don't know the ins and outs of Italian politics here, but I can tell you how the NGOs manufacture this. So yeah. one of well, okay, one of the chief problems, regardless of whether Maloney's uh, 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 whatever the word would be for this, um, whether or not she lied on immigration or not, um, there are Italy is a member of the European Union, which means that they end up getting uh, screwed by European Union mm-hmm. laws and definitions. So, right. for example, um, these aren't immigrants. You see, they're refugees, which makes this something that can be handled by the European Union. And the way that they're refugees, you see, you might ask the question of, well, I thought they were illegal immigrants. What's the difference? Well, refugee Mm -hmm. status, and you've heard this in the United States a lot. See, in the U.S., they they keep referring to the illegal immigrants as refugees. That's why they talk about economic refugee or climate refugee. Because refugees get a different status. There's a crisis involved, and so the government receives them differently than somebody who's just like coming across the border and being like, I want to live here now. Well, how do these people get refugee status? 
Well, the NGOs have a plan, the non-governmental organizations, these globalist organizations that are funded by people like George Soros, that are sponsored by groups in the United States, groups that are in the European Union. What they do is this, this is actually kind of impressive thinking. The problem is, is mm-hmm. that there's a large body of water. And there's a certain there's a certain point in time where your national border ends on a body of water, and then it becomes an international uh, area within this waterway. The right. African immigrants will take their boats, and they will start going across the area of water. They will get into international water, and then they will break right. down. Their ship will break down. Mm-hmm basically intentionally this now makes them at sea refugees because they are stranded at sea and then a a non-governmental organization will take their boat out and meet the immigrant boat and when there is a crisis at sea and you have people who are stranded at sea you must go to the nearest port of call and they will become refugees at sea refugees that is how these non-governmental organizations are flooding european coastlines with african immigrants and they are they are actually bypassing any potential national law because eu law is what is placed for refugees yes In other words, there isn't a goddamn thing Italy can do about it because they're members of the European Union. Wow, I'm glad that's working out for them. Yeah, this is why you don't do shit like the European Union, folks. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's it's never going to work for you. (laughs) Now, it's it's possible that Maloney sucks too. I don't know. But at the end of the day... It sort of does. Well, I think that they're flooding Italy with a bunch of immigrants because Maloney's a quote fascist. I think that they're specifically targeting Italy, just like they're specifically targeting the United States. The United States, very obviously, is not going to reelect Joe Biden. So they're not going to have their play toy anymore. They're not going to have their puppet anymore in the United States. So they need to create a crisis and overwhelm the United States, basically to tank the economy. What happens if Donald Trump is president again? Well, they need to have surging crime. They need to have a destroyed economy. They need to have overstressed areas in the United States and an overstressed infrastructure because Donald Trump can't be successful because that would pull the mask off. Think about it. We saw we saw the four years of Trump. The economy was doing really well. Real wages were going up. Things were becoming much better, actually. And then Biden took over and things have just been in the toilet. They've been garbage. They can't have a juxtaposition where a Republican takes over or conservative or basically somebody who's at least even vaguely nationalist takes over and then the country just starts doing better again. That's going to give away the whole game. Right. And so they're going to create a crisis. And they're going to just try to continually over what... Because think about it. This is what's ha- what happens. You have President Donald Trump who gets elected in 2024. And the next thing that's going to happen is we have to deal with this migrant issue. Are we going to give amnesty? 
There's too many of them. We can't deport all of them. What are we going to do? There's millions upon, there's tens of millions of them. We can't just deport them. Well, and that's what they'll tell us is, oh, well, we couldn't possibly do anything about this. And the reality is, yes, we could, but it will be presented as it's impossible to deal with. So we have to just give amnesty and hope for the best. Now, hilariously, Donald Trump has already said that he's going to deport every single one of them. (laughs) As he as we should. Yeah. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be lovely if we could just do that? I think I think that this is going to end up I, I think like in Italy and in Europe, I think this is very much going to have the opposite effect. I think that this is going to red pill because the comparisons to 2016 is still very fascinating because remember, it wasn't just Most that definitely. it wasn't just that Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton. They Britain also voted for Brexit to get out of the European Union. These things kind of run in tandem. Now, Britain sucks, and I know they have a party that calls itself the conservative party, but remember what conservatism in Britain is, is the crown. That's conservatism in Britain. That's what they're conserving is the monarchy. So it's very different from conservatism in the United States. But it's fascinating to me that, like, the left was doing such dumb shit that they started basically red-pilling a lot of Europe. And I think it continues. Mm. I think we are looking at progressivism really overplaying its hand. I think COVID did a lot of it. I think just in general, the arrogance and and the fact that there was a new generation crossover. A lot of the people who set up a lot of this progressivism, a lot of the old communists from the 1970s are dying off. And the new generation is too stupid to understand what they were actually doing. They don't understand the manipulation part. And they also don't understand how to slow walk it. So they're too stupid and too arrogant because, you know, too many too many leftists flooded everything and made everyone feel comfortable. So all of these people went to universities where leftism was just considered the law of the land. And so they've never really right. thought about it. And now they're just blatantly telling everybody how they're going to screw you over and how it's a good thing that they're going to do it. You're going to eat your bugs and live in your pod and you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Hmm. And these people are too stupid to understand that it's like, hey, guys, you're not supposed to say the quiet part out loud. Because to them, they're like, well, no, everybody agrees with the quiet part. It's what all the smarty smart people say. It's like, yeah, no, those were in, those were universities we infiltrated. And it was a media that we infiltrated. Like you've only ever yes. heard our paid puppets tell you those things. You have to understand the American people were not paying them. And these people are too stupid to realize it. I think that that's what's happening here. Mm. I, I believe that. Sure. Which also means that uh, they're going to pull some shit. I don't know. I don't know. We talked about it earlier. We talked about Biden's poll numbers. He's not doing well. There's no conceivable path where I see Joe Biden actually winning a second term. I just don't see it happening. But there's no way he just gives up that power. So there's going to be... There, if not currently, if it's not currently happening right now, there's going to be a civil war in the Democrat Party because Democrats have to want Joe Biden gone. They they don't they don't want to risk him losing to Donald Trump, 
who is then going to go on a revenge, revenge fueled rampage after all of them. They can't afford that. So what do they do? Because he's not going to give up like nothing short of a very unfortunate accident for Joe Biden is going to take care of the big problem that's staring the Democrat party in the face right now, which is Joe Biden is not going to give up being the president of the United States, but Joe Biden does not have a potential of actually winning. Right. So they only have a couple of choices. An unfortunate accident for poor old Uncle Joe. Maybe they get Jill to put her foot out or something when he's walking down the steps. Um, or number two, they have to steal the election and they don't care how obvious it looks. Which leads me yeah, to my next I, point. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. I, think no, that, no I think that that's the plan. And the reason why I say I think that that's the plan is... Biden seems very interested in disarming Americans as quickly as possible. He is in fact standing up what what's the name of the uh the new or the the new whatever the hell government program that's going to be run by Kamala Harris? Ah. Uh, it is the Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Ah. So, so they yeah, they created ahead. this new um by basically just executive fiat because they can do that. Joe Biden announced Friday the creation of the first ever Federal Office of Gun Violence Prevention overseen by Vice President Kamala Harris and aimed at curbing the national academic epidemic of firearm violence. Ah, epidemic. That's a word. Right. So the issue with this is, well, so it's one of the things. It's a White House office. So it's not a federal agency. It's not an agency of any of the ATF. or nothing, nothing like that. It's an office of the White House which right. allows the executive branch, that allows essentially the administration to be much more in direct control of it. And it's led by Vice President Kamala Harris. Wow, how nice. Um, and one of the issues I have with this is it's going to be just like they did the same thing in Washington State, where they have the Washington State Office of Gun Violence Prevention to make to see how we can curb gun violence. Now... Massive most, most amount of gun violence comes from gang crime, where criminals shoot each other. But that's not at all what any of these groups are ever going to focus on. They're simply going to focus on how can we disarm the American populace. Right. As, as we've seen with all gun control efforts in the United States my entire life, it's always, it's never, um, it's always focused on how do we get militarily functional weapons out of the hands of everyday civilians. It's coming after your AR-15. It's not coming after handguns owned by criminals. Handguns owned by criminals are where the gun violence in America comes from. A bunch of people owning AR-15s, which are a militarily effective firearm, which is why we own them. Those things are not causing this, this dearth of gun violence, at least by the numbers. And if you had an office, they would look at those numbers and go, wow. Our recommendation is get criminals off the streets and enforce the laws, but instead it's always going to be just here is our new rules on what civilian weapons we should ban to make people less capable of defending themselves against government tyranny. And 
I bet the way they're going to do this is to say, well, the Office of Gun Violence Prevention has this study. Now you have to argue about that study. Oh, the Office of Gun Violence Prevention recommends strongly to the president to declare gun violence a national health crisis, which yeah. allows them to do things like we just saw in Arizona. We're like, we're suspending nation. We're New Mexico. suspending carry nationwide. Is it New Mexico? Yeah. Pardon me. They're the same state in my head. I know, I know. You did the same thing last night, and I was like, New Mexico. You're like, same thing. (laughs) Yeah, I almost want to... We'll just say cactus country. Cactus town. Go on, sorry. But it allows them to... It it gives them this mechanism where it's... Well, the, the Office of Gun Violence Prevention, which is a totally legitimate thing, has recommended to save lives. We have to make sure that no one conceals carries anymore because that causes it and instead of saying well you can't just do that we will be placed in the position which is entirely the point of this office is to go is now we have to argue the studies and argue with it's like are you saying this office of the government would lie well they recommend it and the government can be trusted it's it's very insidious and it's very smart Additionally, this allows them to – one of the things, they announce some of the people that will be joining this organization, heading it up, and these people are already highly active in the non, quote, nonprofits that focus on gun violence. And so I guarantee you another, uh, another purpose of this office is, well, we now have this billion-dollar budget, and we can allocate the funds to stopping gun violence, and all of these nonprofit entities, like nonprofit entities that – our gun violence advocacy groups will suddenly get a bunch of money from this office to investigate gun violence. And I get and I guarantee you those same organizations are going to launder the money back into political campaigns of Democrats. Like a lot of Democrat initiatives and a lot of stuff the government does in general, this is essentially a way to launder tax dollars into the pockets of politicians. But also in addition to a great way to just to crack down on individual rights that you find inconvenient. Yeah, well, and think about that for a second. You, your tax dollars will be funding people who want to take your rights away. You are, in a sense, financing Mm -hmm. the erosion of your own civil liberties. Now, I think that the New Mexico governor got ahead of her own skis. Mm. I think that she was brought into the plan and then she thought that she could run with the plan herself because here's the deal. I don't think that she was supposed to come out and and call gun violence a national health or a, a state health emergency and use that to try to suspend rights. Now understand that the the playbook is from COVID. You can suspend people's sure. uh constitutional rights over a national health emergency that is precisely what they did during covid and the left loved it and that was that was a test well now and and that's now part of the playbook i don't think that she was supposed to run ahead that quickly and do it because it kind of signaled a little too early uh someone um a hd cynical in our uh, chat actually said thank god for clarence thomas which i think is a very prescient comment to make the reason why I say that is they are also right now trying to get rid of Clarence Thomas. Remember, there's all these oh. you know supposed scandals and everything having to do with Clarence Thomas. They're trying to claim that he should be impeached. 
Well, the reason why is they need to flip the Supreme Court. And the reason why they need to flip the Supreme Court is if they can get a liberal majority on the Supreme Court, they can then declare gun violence to be a national health emergency. And then you'll have, oh, no. and the problem with, or problem or what have you of doing that with a conservative Supreme Court is they're going to come back and say, no, you can't suspend people's civil liberties. You can't suspend the constitution over a national health emergency. Well, that would actually make COVID impossible as well. All the things that happened during COVID would be declared unconstitutional. Interestingly enough, if you have a liberal Supreme Court, they may not rule that way. They may say that the government should have that kind of power because, well, what if we have another COVID? And they'll use that to suspend rights. So yes. this is a two-pronged approach. They have stood up this office to start pushing the studies but in reality it's laying in wait for them to get a liberal majority on the supreme court or pack the court to where there's a liberal majority and they're going to try to do this fairly quickly to then declare gun violence a national health emergency but they're going they're they're doing this from multiple avenues because you know racism's also a national health emergency. I don't know if you were aware of that or not, Alan. It is, and white oh, supremacy I'm, is yeah, the greatest. Terrible. White supremacy is the greatest terror threat to the United States. In fact, here's Al Sharpton letting you know part of the playbook for disarming Americans while he was discussing this this morning on MSNBC. Time, particularly for young people that we've seen in American history. And yet you have almost a, a wall there of people saying, no, we're not giving up our AR-15s. We're not giving up uh, uh, not even background checks. We just had the uh, the hate killing in Jacksonville, Florida. This guy had an AR-15. So even if, whether you want to look at it from, from advocating in terms of civil rights, advocating just on guns, it weighs in because people cannot do mass killings unless they have mass instruments we're arming bigots we're arming arming people that are not uh, uh, uh respectful of the united states citizen all of these people are being armed by our lack of legislation see they're arming bigots uh-huh yeah are they now? Yeah, oh, I see. that's concerning. See, we have to stop race the racisms because you know they're arming bigots. Like these, you see, these racists can get these AR-15s, and and this is oh, this is racist. Yeah, see, this is really common. Racist because wow. un understand AR-15 invokes an image. The term AR-15 and the term assault rifle invokes an image in the liberal mind. It's the guy with the truck. It's the guy with the American flags on things. It's the guy who's probably one of those hayseed Americans. He's probably a racist. He's probably a Trump supporter. It always, yep. always, in reality, number one, it always works that way. But number two, the left never thinks that it will happen to them. That's why I think, mm -hmm. I, I think by and large, why we on the right get so infuriated at the left sometimes, uh, at the regular normies on the left, is we look at them and we go, guys, you know that they're going to come for you too, right? And they go, they would never do that. I'm part of the smart people. It's like, wh why? I'm one of the good ones. Yeah. Why the, why the fuck would they care? <laughs> you know, like they, they don't, yeah. they don't care. And so well, that's it is mm -hmm. very convenient 
four people on the left that they have control of the courts and district attorneys, and that is the mechanism through which they can eliminate all no sort of competition in this regard. Right. Or they, why they can get they they get their own people off, and they usually don't have to deal with the negative ramifications of their own policies, or at least their own activists don't, because they have people ready to go to essentially prevent them from being held accountable. Oh, I really like, sorry, I really like this comment. Green Badger um, on uh, our chat on Rumble says, sure, moms demand action in every town, has an office in the White House, but it's the evil NRA that's supposedly buying politicians. I mean, that's a really good point. Right. But you <laughs> see, that that's the whole, it, how, how fascinating is that? It's like, well, every town and moms demand action are just trying to stop gun violence. The NRA is just evil and trying to make sure people can kill kids. Now, remember, one yeah. of those organizations explicitly stands up for people's constitutional rights. The other one is merely trying to erode them. Fascinating right. how that works. Most, most assuredly. I, I just, now, that's not the only reason. Well, so the point of bringing this up is the fact that it's, it is a little alarming that, you know, Joe Biden is having such a tough go of it when it comes to his election. And, you know, there's always that concern that they're going to pull some real shady shit because Joe Biden can't lose. I mean, I don't think that Joe Biden has a chance of winning, but Joe Biden cannot lose this next election. The Democrats cannot lose this next election. Regardless, by the way, who the nominee is, if it's if it's Donald Trump, that is certainly the worst case scenario for the Democrats. But if it's Ron DeSantis, it's not a good scenario either because there's obviously a lot of want from their base, the people who fund them and everything else to get vengeance on this mm -hmm. out of control, you know, leftist and Democrat like cabal. So Joe Biden or the, a Democrat loss in 2024 is the worst case scenario, which means that it is almost assured right. that they are going to attempt to steal the election because Joe Biden doesn't have a goddamn chance in hell. So that is why I believe that Joe Biden is going to try to disarm Americans. Because if you think January 6th, a few grandmas walking through the state house and people being upset, demanding that there be a little bit more of an investigation into a very questionable election was bad. It's going to get worse when you do it the second time and you have to do it so hard and so obvious. Americans are going to have every right to be pissed off and have every right to question it especially juxtaposed against all of the other weird corruption that we keep seeing. Remember, Joe Biden is currently being investigated by the Republicans in the House because he has been selling influence ever since he was what? a senator. His, his family has made millions off of selling access to the United States government. A Democrat senator out of New Jersey, Bob Menendez, who's been known to be super corrupt, was actually just charged by the DOJ, which I find surprising, with the exact same kind of scheme that Biden was running, except he was doing it for Egypt. Biden's been doing it in China. In, what is it? In China, in uh, Ukraine, obviously, uh, and in what is it like Armenia? There's a couple other countries that have been implicated in it as well. 
What's right. amazing, though, is, you know, the Republicans were investigating. And, of course, the, all of a sudden there was a special counsel. And the reason why the DOJ did this, we talked about it on the program, is now that there's a special counsel, it actually limits the ability for Republicans to be able to look under the hood because it's all, quote, under active investigation. It allows the Justice Department to control the investigation and also limit the amount of oversight Congress is allowed to have. And you see questions like this that come along to Merrick Garland, uh, who is the attorney general, when he's being asked about how questionable this sudden special counsel happens to be. Here's the audio from that. Let's understand that the same prosecuting attorney who is now the special counsel, gave a sweetheart deal to that person. And yes, you are correct. We're referring to the president's son. He got a sweetheart deal. And the judge was smart enough to smell a rat when she saw it. And she said, you guys go back to the drawing board. That same special counsel is in charge of this investigation. Isn't that correct, Mr. Chairman? Now, that's pretty obvious. But remember... Garland can just, sorry, active investigation. Sorry, that's special counsel. I have nothing to do with it. Special counsel. You'd have to talk to the special counsel. And then the special counsel, mm -hmm. David Weiss, can get questioned and he can respond with, I'm sorry, that's subject to an active investigation. I, I cannot respond. Which was the exact line that Merrick Garland took when once again asked by Thomas Massey at this same oversight hearing, he was asked by Thomas Massey, Two years later, Thomas Massey, two years ago, asked Merrick Garland whether or not there were any federal assets that were embedded in January 6th, whether or not the Department of Justice had anybody embedded in January 6th, uh, if there were any agitators, any informants or anybody like that. And he said he did not know. That was two years ago. So Thomas Massey wanted to follow up with Merrick Garland. And this is the exchange that happened. Answers. You're getting in the way of our constitutional duty. You're signing the Constitution. I'm going to cite it. It's our constitutional duty to do oversight. Now, in that video, that was your answer to a question to me two years ago. When I said, how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol? Can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Well, last time, you don't know how many there were or there were none. I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. You've I don't know whether there are any. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that there were any. You want to say that again, that you don't know that there I were have any? no personal knowledge of this matter. I think what I said the you've, last time. You've had two years to find out. And the day, by the way, that was in reference to Ray Epps. And yesterday you indicted him. Isn't that a wonderful coincidence on a misdemeanor? Meanwhile, you're sending grandmas to prison. You're putting people away for 20 years for merely filming. Some people weren't even there yet. You've got the guy on video who's saying, go into the Capitol. He's directing people to the Capitol before the speech ends. He's at the site of the first breach. You've got all the goods on him, 10 videos, and it's an, and it's an indictment for a misdemeanor? The American public isn't buying it. I yield the balance of my time to Chairman Drew. Fantastic. Right? Well, and, and that, that's, that's, that's the fascinating part here is it's like 
because two years ago, I'm I'm fairly certain I I, I should have tried to pull the audio. Um, but two years ago, I believe he asked the question, and the response was, "I can't answer that. It's part of a, a an ongoing investigation." Mm-hmm. And now he comes back and says, "Okay, well, can you answer it now? I have no knowledge of it." And it's like that's and the reason why he says, "I think you perjured yourself," is that's insane. You know it's the mm-hmm. subject of an ongoing investigation, but now you're going to say you have absolutely no knowledge. Like that's it's not believable at all. Right. So. Well, it's it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous to to think that, like you know, you have the whole uh, thing with Ray Epps. Clearly, yeah. there's something there. Like clearly, there was collusion on the part of somebody to get these guys. In the uh, in the Capitol, like they were let in. I, that just is baffling to me that anyone would even try to argue this. Well, I I, I think that the kinds of pros- the, the the rhetoric that was used by the left and by the DOJ, some of the charges that came out, when you look at it. And you look at somebody like Array Apps, who there are all of those videos and everyone has seen them. How the hell does this guy just get a misdemeanor? When somebody yeah. who like pushed a fence over got charged with literally got charged with terrorism. And and he's not wrong. People who just filmed it are going to jail. Grandmas are literally in jail. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. And it makes zero sense. They can hunt down some grandma from like fucking Sioux Falls off of a couple of uh, grainy images and haul her ass in. But they can't find the supposed pipe bomber, which I believe was used to escalate these charges. I think I think that the pipe bomb. In, in the mind of the DOJ, in the mind of the prosecuting attorneys, and in the mind of the judges that they get to rule on these things, I believe that that pipe bomber is consistently linked with gen- with the actions and activities of January 6th to make it seem like terrorism. Because if you take that pipe bomber away, what actually happened? We always see this is the problem that we have on the right. We look at what happened at the Capitol and we go, this is fucking crazy why are you guys acting like this was such a huge deal in comparison to something like blm or any of the other stuff that we we saw the difference is is an improvised explosive device outside of a campaign headquarters when you have somebody who leaves an explosive device a bomb a pipe bomb remember this, this is hearkening back that this is how i know that this is bullshit and i know it's faked because Someone was like, what do we do to make them all look like terrorists? How do we make this look like terrorism? And somebody went back and went, well, I saw a movie once. And it was about the Unabomber. Mm -hmm. And I remember people mailing pipe bombs and things like that. Remember, that that was the last time that we were able to really beat the right wing down when they were getting a little too uppity. In the 90s, we were able to say that they were all terrorists, that anybody anybody who didn't like the government was potentially an anti-government terrorist because we had the Oklahoma City bombing. And then after that, we were able to really, really, really just start right. making these people hide. And that's why it mm-hmm. was a pipe bomb. That's a good theory. And it was fake. It wasn't even mm-hmm. real. Yeah. 
Now you won't know that because they blew it in place. Yep. Additionally, didn't the Weather Underground actually put a bomb in Congress? And all those people then, one of them is now the leader of Black Lives Matter? Uh, Specific, so that's uh, M15. Uh, May the May fifteen, I believe. But same same idea though. Like yes, well, there was uh, there was a group that bombed uh, federal buildings back in the seventies, and there was a woman whose name is escaping me right now that was arrested with explosives, ammunition, and automatic machine guns in her vehicle, and then she ended up having her sentence commuted by President Bill Clinton. And uh, actually, I believe uh, she was working for the executive branch under Joe oh, Biden. And of course, uh, is also heavily involved in things like Black Lives Matter. Because, you see, Alan, that's not terrorism. That's freedom fighting. It's, it's different. Oh, it's, it's capital D different. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's a capital D different. All right. What have I missed? There has to be more. Well, there is the New York City removing statues of George Washington. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, actually, uh, do me a favor, Alan. Give a background on that. I'm going to step away from the mic for a quick second. So uh, New York City uh, has decided that um, items basically on on the city council agenda is the City Council's Cultural Affairs Committee will hold a public hearing on a measure to remove works of art on city property that, quote, depict a person who owned enslaved persons or directly benefited economically from slavery or who participated in systemic crimes against indigenous peoples and other crimes against humanity. Essentially, the, uh, there is a number of statues all around New York City, which are include Washington, the for original Dutch governor and the original setter, settlers, Christopher Columbus, essentially the people that took New York City and Manhattan Island when it was just nothing but forest and built one of the most incredible cities that mankind has ever seen. And uh, those people now have to all be removed because it makes people of color sad who look upon them and know that they did not build New York City, and that makes them very sad. So we have to get rid of all of these statues of people because New York City is no longer an American city. It's this global city of the world where everybody has to be happy and we can't actually have any real culture because that's what multiculturalism is. Now, whether they're actually going to remove them has not been, de- has not been decided upon yet. However, given the cultural sort of milieu of New York City currently, given its current level of demographics and multiculturalism, I am very... I would be shocked if they didn't tear down every single monument or statue or anything that reminds anyone or signifies that New York was once an American city. It is no longer an American city. The people that live in New York no longer view themselves really as Americans or view themselves as having any sort of connection with the history of New York City and the people that built it. And as such, they feel free to tear it down. This is very similar to when the Arabs conquered Egypt and ripped all of the casing work off the pyramids to build mosques and tore down ancient Egyptian temples to build the city of Cairo. The new people that are filling New York City 
don't share an identity with the original inhabitants of New York City and therefore don't feel any need to keep any of this stuff around. And this is really why I feel that it's um, we're going to see more of this. Like the reason, you know, Blade tore down all those statues of historic Americans in 2020 was essentially because the vast majority of these people, uh, like this huge swath of American society, no longer is use themselves as American, doesn't view any real connection to the history of America and why keep these statues around? Especially when you're like, well, that guy held slaves. He's an enemy of, say, if you were black, you would look at him and you're like, that's a guy's an enemy of my people. And if you were, say, a newly arrived Honduran immigrant, you'd go, I don't care about that guy. I'm not going to fight to keep it up. The Like any of these historic buildings, the Empire State Building, that means nothing to a lot of these people. Why not tear it down and make room for a bunch of new apartments? And so uh, it's as as sad as it is to see places like New York City tear down the monuments and statues of great historic American heroes. It all makes sense because it is no longer an American city. A large swaths of America, I would argue, are no longer actually American. And we're only going to see more of this as those places become less and less American as essentially as the demographic shift and they become flooded with more and more foreigners. Well, and in, in the regular Americans that are there, the, you know, native Americans, heritage Americans, if you will, will <clears throat> support these actions as well. Because to be honest, the, the entire American left uh, for the most part, even the normies, and they may not realize it, are actually just encouraged over things that they think are going to piss their opposition off. That is yeah. that is the thing that gets them off. It's what gives them, as you call it, their feel-good cummies, which is yeah. if it's going to make conservatives angry, they'll agree to almost anything. They'll, they'll give up their own rights if they think it will make conservatives angry, if they think that they can piss someone off on Facebook or on Twitter. It, it's honestly truly pathetic how easily cowed the liberals are in the United States by their masters in their cult, by just being convinced that this will like, hey guys, it, basically, if you take this banana and cram it up your ass, it'll really, really, really upset those right wingers. And there would be a flood of liberals rushing out to the supermarket to buy bananas and then videotape themselves shoving them <laughs> up their ass. Yeah. A hundred percent. They would absolutely do it because they're that fucking pathetic. They're, they're just that they're, they're, and it, I don't mean to be that mean and rude about it, but the reality is, is that like social media and this, this lack of identity that the Democrats and the liberals in the United States have created this crisis of American identity, this crisis of, of meaning because think about it like for for decades now americans have been hollowed out if you bought into the leftist propaganda this is what actually truly makes conservatives and liberals so vastly different if you're a good liberal and not every person who votes democrat fits this mold but if you're a truly good liberal if you're one of those metropolitan good people liberals then you don't actually have any meaning. You're you're supposed to go work for a Fortune 500 company with your like 
fucking liberal arts college degree that you went and got and you're supposed to, you know, go to brunch on the weekend and you're supposed to watch the new Netflix special that everybody's talking about. You know, you're supposed to have baby Yoda on the back of your car because that's the new thing that everybody's talking about and you you need to know about it. And you're supposed to celebrate the newest actress who's the trans disabled black woman because that's what everybody else is talking about. And you're going on to social media and you're saying all the right things that get you the likes that get you the attention. You're a fucking robot. Robot, you have no goddamn meaning. You're hollow. Yeah, and, and, I, I would, mm-hmm. I would argue. What is the goal of America? What well, currently? Like what? What are we allowed to say is the goal? What are we working towards? Is there? Is it even acceptable to to have a goal as a nation? Because that would require that we have an identity as a nation. That we feel we are one people. That we are one group. That we have. That there is something about us that makes us distinct and separate that allows us to have something to strive towards. And I think that modern progressivism intentionally strips that from people well, because it is very inconvenient. I mean, do you know who else had goals, Alan? The Nazis. <laughs> what, what are you, literally Hitler, having goals? Exactly. I'm sure next you you want people to love their country and and love their countrymen and want what's best for them. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, and it's you're if, you're a domestic terrorist, look, right? <laughs> but if you if you look at a lot of modern progressives, what is it centered on? Have no like it is an assault against religion. They uh-huh. see what is what is the modern progressive person? Someone that doesn't have religion, because religion is hierarchical and bad. Someone that doesn't feel nationalism because nationalism is evil and racist. Someone that doesn't feel they have a, any sort of r- racial identity because that's, oh, it's evil and racist. Someone that doesn't feel they have any special cultural identity or ties to any culture or history because that would make so, could make someone bigot. Someone that doesn't even have a established view of their own gender. Someone that doesn't feel any sort of connection to their family or children because children should be raised by the state. It is this goal. I, I, th- I, I collect a lot of very old books, and I have a lot of old, especially old history books. And the way that in the 1900s you had this, the rise of socialism, and the way it was always defined in older sources, I thought was very interesting because it makes a very big deal about how essentially inefficient the class system was, and it. It describes socialism as this effort to make everything more efficient because everyone's working together rather than being pitted against each other by capitalism and nations. And I had this interesting realization that the real core of socialism, leftism, whatever you want to call it, there's a very big driver of it that now is obscured by all of this fancy window dressing. A lot of the core of it is wouldn't it be so much more efficient if everyone was just working together? Which isn't crazy, but the way that translates to, and this is what has occurred to me after combining what I'd read with what I see in the modern world, the core, one of the big core drivers of modern progressivism and leftism, etc., is that if men have nothing to fight for, if we strip everything that they would want to fight for away from them, then they will have nothing to fight over and everyone will just get along and there'll be peace and efficiency. 
So if people can't, if there's no family to fight for, if there's no culture to fight for, if there's no religion to fight for, if there's no nations to fight for, if there's no history and identities to fight for, then people will have nothing to fight for. And they'll just go along and have nothing, there, there will be no strife. Everything, this gray, disgusting, bug, algae peace will reign. And there'll be no heights of civilization to reach because there'll be nothing to reach for. And we can finally just have peace and everybody will get along. And I think that's the same. That's, that, that's the goal of modern progressivism. Because the modern progressive person has nothing. They have nothing driving their life. They have nothing to stake an identity upon. They have nothing to, to pursue. They, have, they can't really have any goal other than self-satisfaction. And even that self-satisfaction has to be sublimated to this greater whole. And... <clears throat> I don't know. I think that's why I see so much effort to destroy the family, to destroy religion, to destroy culture, to destroy history, to destroy even various ethnicities. Like we should all intermix and become one big brown mass of identical Americans living in a country that is just nothing but glass and steel identical architecture because everything has to be identical. And that's the only way we can actually have a peaceful multicultural society. And it's perfectly natural for me to not want that. <laughs> I'm not crazy. <laughs> Very much so. Well, uh, it, yeah, and and it, the the reality of it. I mean, I it's funny because it, it sounds it sounds horrific. You know, like we're we're we are making mm -hmm. liberals sound just awful. But the reality is, is when you take the th this this is not us just being mean. This is not us being hyperbolic. This is not us purposefully trying to be dicks here. We are literally just taking what leftists say. We are just taking yeah. what leftists say to one another, what they say to us. We're taking their beliefs and their belief system. And that is what that belief, those beliefs and that belief system look like. And that's, that's yeah. the overall point. But um, that's going to have to be it for, uh, for our show today. You know, of course, uh, as always, we uh, may not have a program next week because, uh, <laughs> because uh, both Alan and I are, are, are going to be busy. We're going to be traveling and, and doing stuff. So, um, but we'll definitely let you know if anything is going to be coming down. Uh, obviously, I'll get ahead of it and uh, let you all know and post something uh, if something is happening. But other than that, um, you can always catch us anytime that you would like if you go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio and become a subscriber. Uh, that's uh, obviously going to be the easiest way for you to catch us and, uh, you know, uh, catch any of our previous shows as well as going to Rumble and make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share this out as well. Uh, we don't do a lot of social media sharing because, you know, we prefer to keep our social media as a way to communicate with our viewers uh, rather than using it as an advertising platform. Um, so we'll leave it to you guys. If you like what you hear, be sure to share it out. Other than that, I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. This is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next week.